What is up everybody, Sean Sheehan back here with another edition of The Sheehan Show and for the first time I have joined by a, a fellow media member guest uh, to uh, to talk about all, all things MMA. I'm joined by Ian O'Neill. Uh, today if you don't know Ian, he is uh, a journalist over with me in Severe MMA. Um, an Irish guy over in Canada, so is uh, is is great for us because he's up as late as me, to be honest. Because I'm I'm kind of on Canadian or on uh, or on, on US time as well. Uh, and today we're going to talk about all things MMA outside of the UFC. So we have a show over on on Severe MMA where we've been doing this for a. Uh, the last year or so, so we're going to do a bit of that here as well on Sherdog, and we're going to talk a little bit about PFL, Bellator, uh, KSW, have a, a really huge fight coming up, and some Irish stuff as well towards the end of this. Ian, uh, how are things with you? Are you good? I'm, I'm glad um, to be joined by you today. Uh, thanks for having me on, and thanks to Sherdog as well. I'm looking forward to it. There's been uh, a bunch of stuff happening outside the UFC over the last little while now, so... I'm looking forward to, to breaking it all down and having a chat with you about it. So thanks for having me on. Indeed, not about it at all. So let's let's get straight into it and let's talk about some of the, the big things. I did um I did a review of the PFL season and you know and we've talked about that ourselves as well. Um so we I, I, rather than going over that again, I just want to talk about Kayla Harrison because in that video I mentioned Kayla Harrison and her options and stuff, but a lot has happened since. Um Dana White has come out and he has basically said, you know, if Kayla Harrison wants to keep earning that big money, she should keep doing it uh, where she is. Like, that sort of thing is not going to happen in the UFC, basically not in those many words. But then, obviously, we had Sinead Kavanaugh versus Cyborg happened uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago now at this stage, I suppose. Um, and Chris Cyborg won that fight. Kayla Harrison was there cage side. And Scott Coker was only too happy to talk about Kayla Harrison and possibly signing her uh, as well. So there's a lot a lot of movement. A lot of movement with the Kayla Harrison stuff since the last time I, I maybe spoke about her. Um, what, where do you think she's going to go? Because like, I, I feel like... There's there's a big difference maybe between where we want her to go as like fans or, or people covering the sport. Um, and then there's... Uh, uh, there seems to be a divide between that and where she's more likely to go. And I suppose the where people want her to go is to the UFC to fight Amanda Nunes, because Amanda Nunes is very little challengers. But where she will go is probably to Bellator to fight Cyborg, who also has, you know, very little challengers, if we're being honest. So it's, it, it, you know, it's a similar sort of equation, I suppose. But still, I suppose the fact that Amanda Nunes has beaten Cyborg, a lot of people want her to go there. What's, what's your take on it with... Uh, uh, with with Kel Harrison and maybe what the the move will be next. Yeah, it's well, it's one of the biggest stories in mixed martial arts right now is is where she's going to go. Like, and you know, looking at Kayla Harrison and having looking at her from previous seasons in the PFL and this season, I think this season in particular and what has happened and the interviews she's given and how much she's put herself out there, she's really turned herself into a, a superstar in the making, really, to be honest. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens because, you know, we talked about Bellator there. We talked about the UFC as well. But, you know, the other option is that she goes back and fights at the PFL for another season as well. Um, you know, she has that guaranteed you would be almost guaranteed to be winning that million again if she was to go in there and, and compete in the next season. You know, the talent pool isn't all that rich out there, the 155-pound division. But I think the the decision on, on what's next will be made by Kayla Harrison and Kayla Harrison only. And that's 
And that's about what she wants for her career. Does she want to go and make easy money into PFL or does she want to go and challenge herself and, and possibly um, go to Bellator or go to the UFC and, and, and get those challenges there? Because, you know, there's a difference between wanting to make that money or, and, and there's another difference between these fighters wanting to test themselves at the highest level. And at the end of the day, all these fighters are competitors and she's a competitor as well. So... Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if we're going to, I think in, in an ideal world, we would get the best of everything where she might maybe sign for a couple of fights with Bellator before moving on to the UFC. But, you know, she's not really that young in her career. She started her mixed martial arts career uh, rather late after competing in the Olympics. So um, I, I was more looking for her to go to the UFC at the very start. But I mean, is it, is it going to be a, a signing up with the UFC and being one and done if she fights and loses to Amanda Nunes? Then what do you do with her there? Where I think that you could maybe sign with Bellator and there are some good matchups there in the 145 pound division. You wouldn't necessarily have to throw her straight in there with Cyborg. You could get her in there in Be- at Bellator. You could get her hooked up with a couple of fights just to build her name under the promotion and then maybe towards the, the end of next, next year you could do that big cyborg versus Harrison fight you know, and you know just- one, one thing that's funny though as well I think you, you know you mentioned going back to the PFL the one thing that the PFL PFL has this year or ne- next season is Julia Budd like Julia Budd is like if you take away the top three which are Harrison Cyborg and Nunes you could absolutely argue that Julia Budd is the next best so it's kind of funny, you know, we have that, the, the the one challenger, maybe, that she was kind of crying out for. We thought it'd be Sarah Kaufman a few years ago, but, it's, you know, I think Sarah is, is a great fighter down through the years, but I think she's a little bit past her best now. So you have Julia Bode over in the PFL, you know, and you mentioned going back for another year. If, if the option was to go to the UFC uh, and have a few fights and then fight Amanda Nunes or it was to stay in the PFL, fight Julia Budd, maybe, you know, if they could set that up for it to be the finale, that would be huge, because I feel like that would be something that was kind of undeniable. Even for Adana White, I think it would probably be undeniable, because you, what, you're, what you're really asking, if Julia, if uh, Kayla Harrison goes straight to the UFC, and I, I doubt she's getting a title fight straight away, I think she should, but I think Dana White would probably want to give her one, whether it's a Durandamy or a Holly Holm or something like that, you know, you are asking her to go in to f- have a fight against someone who is really high level, like one of the two women I mentioned there, um, and risk losing, and risk losing not only your, the fight, but also the prospect of winning that million quid. You know, and that is that is a lot. Like, the, I, I, I think the UFC, if they really want Kayla Harrison, if they really want someone to test the Manny Nunes, and I'm not sure they do in terms of like the either of those things, if it costs them too much money, but they're going to have to pay some money if they want to get that. And if they want to continue to call themselves like the world leader of MMA, where all the best fights happen, they ha- they're going to have to pay the money for that to happen in that division for Amanda Nunes. They let Cyborg go, and she was obviously the next best, as we all know that. Um, and I think it's if the UFC don't do it, they should be widely criticised. I think, like, if the UFC let Kella Harrison go to someone else, it's a sign they're letting one of the, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the best fighters in the world go somewhere else. And you know your point as well. And I'll throw it back to you here, and then we, we'll move on from maybe this discussion because we don't want to take up the whole time doing this. But we, as you know, people covering Irish MMA for the last while, we've talked a lot about fighters, you know, going to Bellator for a while, said having a, a three or five fight contract. 
maybe winning, say if it's five fights, winning five of them or four and one or whatever, getting good money, good experience, and then going to the UFC. But it hasn't really, it hasn't happened for anyone yet. It hasn't happened for anyone. Like, you know, James Gallagher is still there. Will Flory is, is out of there now, but it doesn't look like he's going straight to uh, to to the UFC. You know, we talked about Danny Nealon uh, a couple of weeks ago with Bellator not having that division, and we'll talk more about Irish people in, in the end, but I feel like that road from Bellator for a few fights and then on to the UFC is not that possible, especially for someone like Kayla Harrison, who, if all goes well, if all, look, if it goes badly and she loses Cyborg, the UFC are going to be like, well, we told you so, and we don't want her anyway, you know, and if it goes well, she'll be a champion, and it'd be very hard to get out of that contract, so it's it's a tough situation, like, I, and, I, and I'll throw it to you for final remarks, but I feel like, I feel like a deal needs to be done here, you know, the UFC and Kayla Harrison need to do a deal, okay, if Kayla has to take a little bit less money to get a couple of fights, so she gets a man in Nunes and then earns big money, or you know gets money for for a big pay per view fight and to pay her for that, the UFC should agree to pay her for that big fight, the big money fight against the man in Nunes because it is people will want to see a man in Nunes challenge and will want to see her uh, fight against Kayla Harrison. So look, a short term blow for Kayla might lead to a long term windfall. But that long-term windfall has to be paid by the UFC as well. Will it be? I don't think so. And I think she'll probably end up in, in Bellator. What's your sense for her? Yeah, I think I agree with pretty much all you said there. Um, you know, I think the likely outcome of this scenario will be either Kayla Harrison re-signs with the PFL and then signs with the UFC a year down the line, or she just straight up signs with Bellator now, and I think that's the UFC dead and buried now. So it'll be very interesting to see what she does. And and I mean, for her, if she's a businesswoman, she'll go and she'll make her money and fair play to her. She should do that. But if she wants to test her and she wants to create a legacy for herself, the only way to do that, I feel, for her is in the UFC. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree to, uh, with that. And that actually leads us nicely onto our next topic here. Um, and it, it's funny because over the last year, maybe, Scott Coker has been saying the same sort of thing over and over, right? He said there, the, which division, the division I like to call the cruiserweight division of Bellator, the, the 205-pound light heavyweight division, he keeps saying it's the best division uh, in in the world, or, he, you know, the, the best 205-pound division in the world. And look, it's a pretty good division. They have Bader, and they have Nimkov, and they have... Uh, they have uh, Beeston 25-8, and they have a few more very, very good fighters. Even Anglicus, I was, uh, you know, he didn't, he, well, he almost knocked out Nimkov in the first round of that fight, but I think he's a good fighter. And, you know, they have Anthony Johnson, they have Yoel Romero, and that was also a pretty good division. And also, he said AJ McKee is the best 145 pounder in the world. He said Patricio was before that. And I, I wouldn't, like, completely rule that out. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Max Holloway and Volkanovski are fantastic fighters as well. Um, you know, and Yair Rodriguez put himself in that discussion as well recently. I'd, uh, if I was talking to someone, I was like, imagine Yair Rodriguez versus AJ McKee. What a fight that would be. But anyway, uh, the, the, the wider point here is, with Kel Harrison and with Cyborg as well, let's say Kel Harrison goes in there and she destroys Cyborg. And let's say they fight again and she destroys her again. Can she be proven as the best 145-pounder in the world outside of the UFC? Can AJ McKee do the same? Can Bader do the same? Or Nimkov do the same? Or, you know, um, whoever it might be. You know, Kaladav over in KSW. Or, you know, a heavyweighted PFL or something like that. Do you think it is possible in 2021 for a fighter to prove themselves as the best fighter in the world outside of the UFC? I think the simple answer to that question is a no. 
And I think it goes back to just what we were talking about, Kayla Harrison, is that does she want to look after herself in a business sense of terms or does she want to prove herself as an athlete? Does she want to prove herself as a fighter and, and, and create a legacy for herself? And her and AJ McKee both have the same. Now, what AJ McKee has is a little bit more time on his side to make that happen. Um, I do think that, you know, if we go back through history, the biggest question ever surrounded Fedor Emelianenko. He competed in all facets of all different promotions and was very successful and was touted as the greatest heavyweight of all time. But even to this day, that question mark looms over his head on whether he would have been able to do it against the highest level of heavyweights in the UFC at that time. Yes, he did it against former UFC challengers, but he didn't do it inside the octagon. And I don't see that question ever disappearing. And it's just maybe a sad reality of the mixed martial arts landscape right now is that, you know, you have to go over to the UFC if you want to truly prove yourself as a fighter and to be touted as one of the best in the world. Uh, I, I would tend to agree, but I, I agree on like, I agree on one set of terms, but on another set of terms, I also called Demetrius Johnson the best fighter in the world. Now he was in the UFC, but the people argued because of the level of competition that he thought he wasn't. Now, that's a bit of balderdash as well, because he was fighting Haraguchi, he was fighting Joseph Benavidez, he was fighting Henry Cejudo and beating all of them, twice in the case of Henry Cejudo and, and, and Benavidez. But, um, so, I don't necessarily just think you need to be beating all the best people in the world to show your awesome skill set. Now, when you get to the very top, it happens a lot, even in the UFC, like someone like in Israel Adesanya, where he kind of runs out of challengers a bit. Like, you know, he's fighting Whitaker again. That's a he's, that's a very good fight, and I think it's a worthy rematch, and he's a worthy challenger, don't get me wrong. But I don't think the likes of, say, Vittori and others in, in, in the weak division are up there near someone like Israel Adesanya. And you see, even when he goes to 205 and fights someone very good as well, he loses, not, and not necessarily just because he lost, but it's, it's a bigger challenge. So uh, I think the ability to show your skill set is a, a bigger factor in who the best fighter in the world is than the opposition you beat. Now, the opposition you beat is also huge. It might look, it might be 51-49, but I truly believe it's the skill set that makes you the best and not the competition. Like, it's funny to say, are you the best? Well, who's, you, who's your opponent? You know, that's... It's a weird, and it, you know, it, it is a weird thing to say, but if you, like, if you really think about it, I put a lot of thought into this, and... You know, there's some people find ways of beating people, but other people are like the best fighter in the world, and the ways they beat people are 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 just different. Now, the the thing about it is because it is close, close, fifty one, forty nine percent on my thinking, and I'm probably a way ahead of most other people. I think most other people would say it the other way. It it's still very close, and you still need to beat those people. And you still need to beat good people. But say the likes of AJ McKee. He has beaten Patricio. Patricio is a, is a fantastic fighter, and if he goes and beats him again, it's fantastic. If he steps up to 155 and beats Patricio and, you know, whoever, Usman or Magomedov or whoever else is there, you know, there's there's no doubt in that. He is one of the best fighters in the world, whether he's in the UFC or outside of the UFC. And I, I feel like you're, you're right in terms of, like, there'll always be that question. But I think if someone could do, say, what Fedor did and beat all, like, the best in the world and, you know, from guys coming up from light heavyweight and all different weight class, and this is a different time back then, make no mistake about that. But I feel like it, it that that circumstance, which is, is going to be very rare these days, 
is something someone maybe only like AJ McKee could do. Like even Kayla Harrison can't really do it while Amanda Nunes is around because there aren't enough people to beat. If she beats Cyborg, there's really no one else. Uh, you know, Julia Budd is a good win as well, but uh, Amanda Nunes has a win over Julia Budd as well, doesn't she? Or am I gone mad way back in the day? But, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a debate that is like 99% a pointless debate to have because the obvious answer is no but in a certain certain set of circumstances with someone who has an elite skill set just like AJ McKee has I think it is possible what what do you think of the say the 2 or 5 pound debate about the division in Bellator being better than the division UFC because I think that's a lot closer of a debate yeah, it definitely is a lot closer of a debate. And I, I agree with what you're saying too uh, about the showcasing your skill set. Like, I mean, I would agree with you 100% that AJ McKee and, and Pitbull would be top five competitors in the UFC, no problem at all, if they were in that. Like, and even and that doesn't matter whether they join the UFC or whether they're not in the UFC. We watch fighters, we know how skillful they are, and we can see it inside the UFC, we can see it outside of the UFC too. So, I mean, when it comes to the 205-pound division, there, there is um, probably one of the scariest 205ers out there right now is Vadim Nemkov. So, I mean, he has an abundance of challengers there. The, the Grand Prix is going off relatively okay for Bellator right now to have a couple of little blips with injuries and stuff but I mean it is I think what Bellator have right now in, in their 205 pound division is a well established division with a lot of veterans and a lot of experience in there in comparison to the UFC which kind of has a mixture of older guys and experience at the upper end of the division and it's a division that's slowly building underneath as well so I think that the both divisions are, are kind of in different kind of uh, scenarios, if you want to call it that, right now. But I would be leaning towards Bellator being the stronger of the two right now, So which proves what our talking point right yeah. here and right now. That's very interesting. I, I would agree. Like Bellator, I think maybe the top five of Bellator is... All to, add it all together might be stronger than the top five of the UFC are, are very close anyway but I think say the top 20 of the UFC is, is probably much stronger but like if you look at say the likes of Prohachka coming through and it's it's funny Glover Teixeira is the champion now you'd almost forget it at that time in the UFC <laughs> yeah. you know what a, what a legend but you know Prohachka's coming through there as well you still have Blahovich. you know you have the, you know you have the likes of, of Johnny Walker even now in the top 15 and Rakic and Anthony Smith is coming back again but like that, that there's one guy on the there's one guy on to come up there in the UFC and that's uh, Magomed and Kalias yeah. and I think that he's going to be yeah. he's going to be a major player in the UFC 205 division in, in, in over the next year I think be very, who do you think is the best 205 in the world right now like, like with John Jones gone let's say with John Jones gone the best 205 in the world right now I think it's Mm, I might be controversial, but I I fancy Jiri Prohachka to be the next champion in the mm. UFC, and I think I that so. he's damn he's I think he's damn close. I think if he if he if he was fighting anybody else other other than Glover Teixeira, if that fight does go ha- happen, I think that's kind of a bad matchup for him. In, like skills wise, I think Glover is a really good grappler, and we have not seen too much of Prohachka on the map. But I think that he is bringing uh, an he's bringing a game that no one has ever seen before. He's a unique style and it's not easy to kind of train for. And he has ridiculous knockout power and he's not afraid to put himself in the line of fire to get off that power too. So I'd be very interested to see what happens with him. So I think it would be him and then it probably would be 
a mix between Glover Texera, Vladim Nemkov, I think uh, battling for second and third spots. And I might lean a little bit more towards Vladim Nemkov in that situation yeah. other than Glover Texera. Nim- uh, my memory is terrible. Didn't Nemkov and, and Prohachka fought before, haven't they? A good while ago, but that'd be, uh, be an interesting one as well. But like Nemkov is, is so good. I think the thing with Nemkov is as well, though, he is like... He's beatable in some ways, you know. He's one of those lads where it's, uh, and I think that's the thing. With I think all, every time that I think every time that you don't beat him, though, is is the time he's going to get better. Oh, that's a hundred percent. Uh, that's a yeah. great point. Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a little bit scary that he's winning so much while still being like a little bit beatable. And I'm looking yeah. really looking forward to seeing uh, what's next from here. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on here and talk about a few more things. We'll we'll do a few quick hits here and um, talk about them. One FC we're due, or well, one championship now we're due to have a card, um, and that has been postponed until the new year because of COVID, I believe. Um, I know that um, the uh, the president was over on Ari Hilwani show announcing the card, and then it was you know it was cancelled and everything like that. So. Uh, it will. Uh, it, I think it'll t- take place in the new year. I know you're looking forward to that big fight. You know, we mentioned Demetrius Johnson, the greatest of all time, in my opinion. It's a pity that card has been cancelled, didn't it? And that mixed rules fight against Rotag. What was it supposed to be? One round of MMA, one round of kickboxing, and then what was it? We had round one, five minutes of Muay Thai. We had round two, five minutes of mixed martial arts and round three a mixed bag and i mean that's all <laughs> that's all i'm looking for in a in a fight man yeah it's uh it's it's an awful pity that that was cast. like i feel like you know sometimes in mma we're all you know with this mayweather and mcgregor stuff and people are talking about oh what if it was in four ounce gloves or what if it was a boxing match in a cage or you know what if kicks were allowed and stuff like that i feel like those questions are very annoying when it is like um, maybe the people who are like McGregor at the time was the champion are right at the top of the world and we want to see him like the Findy Seidler we want to see him fight Habib or we want to see him fight in MMA fights I think Demetrius Johnson has kind of taken the role of right I'm no longer uh, in talks to be like the best in the world or the UFC champion I'll go and fight in one and have fun fights and you know, I'll fight for the title if the title is there and obviously he lost the title as well but he's like, I, I'm willing to partake in these fun fights and do fun stuff. And that's that's grand. Like like Anderson Silva boxing, I have no problem with that. I think that's being great fun and, and yeah. things like that. This this I, it, it fulfills that want, doesn't it? For like the bad. It does, of course. Like and and if to, to just piggyback off your comparison, like when, when what we were dealing with Connor at that time was a was a guy who was at the top of his game. And he just produced a fantastic performance against Eddie Alvarez. And we were, he left us wanting more at that time. And then he went off and we went boxing. Where in comparison to what you said about Mighty Mouse and what you said about Anderson Silva, both fighters have been there and they've done it all. They have their multiple UFC title defenses. They're going down in UFC Hall of Fame. You know, they're probably thinking the same as what we're thinking. Let's have some fucking fun. Let's make some money. Do you know what I mean? And I'm all for that, man. I mean, I was like, when I saw that fight was announced, I was like, Christmas has come early, baby. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't Literally, wait to yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Christmas has got to come late now, anyway. No, oh, it's going to be a late one. It's, it's going to be, be a Maybe an, an early Easter or something. We'll never know. But we we'll, look, we'll look forward to that uh, in the new year. Anyway, uh, another big fight that's happened, I believe it's before Christmas, isn't it? Is uh, Mamid Kaladov versus Roberto Saldic. And now, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about this fight more when it comes up in a few weeks. But to me... 
you know, if people don't know these too well, and you know, it's sometimes it's hard to keep a, a track case. I believe we've, we've Sean Denny, who we talked a lot over, who keeps real track of that, and he does some great stuff. So check out his uh, previews and things like that. Uh, and he's really owning that, be talking about KSW and that scene. But these, you know, Saldich is a guy, anytime Saldich fights, I'm tuning in because he is just uh, an assassin of a fighter. And everyone should know Kalilov. If you're listening to this, if you're on this website or on this YouTube, you should know who Mamet Kalilov is, a legend of the scene. You know, one, one of the guys outside of the UFC who, who people should be talking about it. An old man now, but still still killing it. And this fight, this is a like a real, a real super fight, a non-UFC fight. Like, this is one of the best fights you can possibly get. You know, we talk about AJ McKee and Patricio... Mm-hmm. This this is that level of fight, and I am really really looking forward to this. I think every MMA fan, you know, who who loves high level MMA should be tuning into this one. I like I I I think Saldich is is up there with anyone outside of the UFC as the best fighter in the world. I really do. I think he's right. I think even into the UFC he caused problems, and you know. He's one of these guys, people look at his record and, you know, he's a couple of losses and he lost back in the day in, in, in was it in cage wires and places and things? Ah, uh, sure. But, like, MMA, people improve. You know, fighters get better all the time. I think, at the moment, he is, he is a, an absolute killer. And I fancy him to beat Kaladov, but never, never rule out Kaladov. He is, he is an animal of a fighter. How, how, what are your anticipation levels? I know over in Canada, maybe a little bit different. We're closer here and it's on a better time for us. What, what's your anticipation levels for that one? Well, like good fights are good fights, and that's what I'm in for. And it, and this is a good fight. This is probably one of the best fights you'll see outside of the UFC right now. We said that about Pitbull and McKee, and this is on a par, if not even more excited, because I don't think that this fight doesn't deliver. Like I think these two guys are absolute killers. Uh, you know, I think Solich is moving up to, in in weight class, and he has a chance to become a double champ. Would I be correct in saying that? Uh, God, I, I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah it is. It is a champ versus a champ. So, yeah, I think he is. I think you're right. But we, we will confirm that afterwards. But, yeah. Yeah, I think he's moving up from the welterweight division up and up into uh, up into the, the middleweight division to take on Kaladov. So, I mean, he has a chance to become a double champion. It's Kaladov's job to defend his crown. And like you said, that man is not easy beat. You're going to have to get that man out of there if you want to, want to win that fight. And, you know, he's come back from... The both guys have really come back from disappointments in their career. But they're both firing on all cylinders now this is the biggest fight that KSW can make it's the biggest fight that you'll see probably in Europe this year and I think that it's going to be an absolute barn burner and I can't wait to see Uh, it'll be actually the day I'm over in Canada right now it'll be going on the day I land home in Ireland so I'll be able to catch we'll we'll meet up we'll we'll head on to Poland all together we'll We'll go over and meet John over there let's get straight on the plane at Dublin airport and go next stop Warsaw come on we'll go we'll head over lads we'll uh, we'll meet you over there but uh, yeah that that should be uh, that should be absolutely uh, absolutely brilliant and I, I can't wait for that one uh, right last few minutes here let's talk a little bit about about the few Irish MMA fighters now we, we talked a lot about Irish MMA uh, I have on, on this podcast and different things but oh, usually you know the, the ones at the top like Ian Gary and um, and Sinead Cavanagh and those but I think first of all and we, we kind of talk about Irish MMA adjunct to uh, Mexican MMA or Latin American MMA maybe you could call it with Combatches America so Palahan from here in Ireland has fought in Combatches uh, what five or six times well no what four, three or four times although not all of them if you look at his short dog record they are thanks to thanks to someone who yeah I wonder mentioned. what happened there uh, no idea I know, I've never heard about um, and also uh, Franz Malambo has taken a fight over there as well oh, 
I know you you watch a lot of combatches. Obviously, it's on a better time for you, and you can actually watch it over there. I think it's impossible to get it here, but it feels it seems like I know it's very tough with Campbell as well. And if he sees this, he'll probably go mad at me. But Campbell McLaren, you don't know what's true and what's not true with him. But what is true is. They're getting huge TV ratings over uh, in in America and in the Latin Americas, in the Americas, I suppose you could call it. Uh, they have a huge, you know, Latin American fan base. They're doing good things. Look, we could talk about the adjustments they need to make. I don't need no these one round tour or uh, one night tournaments and the one round fights and stuff. And that's why we we're kind of joking about the records, like do those fights count or do they not fight? You know, you're still going in there taking the damage and and doing all that. But I suppose you're still getting paid as well. But uh, First of all, before we get maybe to the Irish fighters, and you can jump onto them as well. But what do you think of Combatches America as a promotion itself? Yeah, just to speak a little bit about Campbell McLaren, if there's any maybe newer MMA fans watching who had been responsible and one of the owners and the founders of UFC before it was sold off to the Fertitta brothers and stuff. So, you know, he would have built that from the ground. And he and he started Combatche, it would have been Combatche Americas first, which would have just focused on a lot of South American fighters, Latino fighters, and in around Mexico as well. And he has since turned that into Combatche Global, which is going to try and pr- put on, um, I think, 22 shows in total and a couple of those will be international next year as well. So he's starting to build this promotion from the ground up as well. Allegedly, I'll put there. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Like you said, uh, Campbell, Campbell, uh, yeah, Campbell is good at, at uh, dishing out these um, stats and facts and stuff like that. So we'll wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, but he's done quite well. I mean, it, it, what he's resorted to is what he resorted to back in the day. And that's tournament form competition. Um, so he's putting on a lot of these uh, four-man tournaments, eight-man tournaments. Uh, you know, Pa has gone over there specifically to compete in a four-man tournament earlier on this year in August or September. And then just last week, he competed in, on six days' notice in an eight-man one-night tournament, which would have been a quarter-final, which would have been five minutes long. A semi-finals that would have been uh, five minutes long and then the finals would have been the three round uh, normal sort of a fight if you want to call it that so you know he's building it he says he's getting the audience he reckons that a quarter uh, or three quarters of a million people watched the last show and um, you know they're in it they're on a big Mexican um, TV channel and on another couple of TV channels there Paramount Plus in the States as well so it's freely available I mean you know I had to take a trip to Mexico maybe to watch myself or what but uh, I often visit you over in Canada to watch Bellator wink wink nudge nudge VPN yeah it's brilliant he seems to that, that seems to be what he's good at um, you know, building those tournament style, uh, building those fighters. We've seen a couple of them creep over into the UFC too, a couple of combat fighters. Pa himself, you know, went over and competed in the lightweight division. Um, the four-man tournament that he won earlier on in the year uh, opened up the spot that Franz is going to take for the year-end tournament, which is going to be competed at 135 pounds. And it's the, um, the Copa, it's the... Com- Combating Copa or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, but Frank, yeah. So it's from Mamba. People would know him. You know, he's obviously fought in Bellator, and he's you know teammates at McGregor and stuff. And he was in the camp for the the Mayweather fight. He was one of his main sparring partners. And thought he's the FEN champion as well at the moment, isn't he? He's one, like France. Mm-hmm is low-key one of the best fighters in Ireland at the moment and going over there to compete he'd have to be the favourite for that tournament that's it. absolutely he, there's a hundred thousand on the line for the winner here and he has a 
he is a damn good fucking chance yeah, of bringing yeah. that money home and he's going to represent Ireland in the tournament and I think the tournament itself is there's going to be uh, eight or 16 different uh, countries um, being um, competing in it from fighters from different parts of the world so I mean you know we've seen Franz fight from the very start and you know he's a very 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 skilled fighter and he's dangerous on the feet dangerous off the mat and I, I would give him a very very good chance now without knowing too much about anybody else that's competing in the tournament but I mean he's going to be one of the top dogs in that competition yeah. for sure right. and I'll be excited to see it go down without a doubt without a doubt um, right a few more things actually we were going to talk about Cage Warriors we're a little bit stuck for time so we'll wait because I'll have a full Cage Warriors preview out on Chardog and I, 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 we, we will see how that goes and I'll have a couple of interviews as well one lined up for next week uh, with a couple of the Cage Warriors cards but just to, I suppose quickly mention at the moment, Cage Warriors always announced fights late and stuff like that, and we're, what, two weeks or a little bit more even than two weeks out from it, I think, are we? Um, so, you know, keep, keep I suppose, keep an eye on, uh, on you know, the, the YouTube here and on, on Twitter and everything like that for, for updates on Cage Warriors. But one big thing from Cage Warriors that has happened this week, one of their signed fighters, Paul Redmond, has, uh, has retired. And obviously, you know, anyone who knows Paul Redmond, he went into the UFC... Uh, like fighting at 145 pounds I remember talking to him a couple of weeks after uh, he fought over and I think it was over in Scotland and he was saying like I got hit with this shot that I've got hit with a thousand times before and it put me out this time and it's never happened to me in my life before you know it was one of those where he just yeah, put well, he, had cut, he cut a massive amount of weight yeah, for that fight he, in a short period really of time did, too yeah. and then you know he was talking this week in his retirement about like the injuries popping up and hard to get you know uh, the the right fights at the right time, like in Bellator, he got uh, you know he had that one big fight. Who was I can't remember. Um, oh, he had he had one big fight anyway against a big name, and it fell through. And then you know he should have got main event spots or co-main event spots at one stage at least, and he didn't end up getting them. And I think when that sort of happens, and when your kind of promotion isn't behind you like that in certain ways. I think it's tough, and in the injuries adding up. Now he's back in cage wires where I think they wanted to give him good fights. You know, he was supposed to fight Bin Lakhdar, wasn't he, in his last fight? Now Bin Lakhdar's fighting for the championship. So if that fight had happened and Paul had won, he'd probably be fighting for the title. But I think injuries have just added up, and it's a tough time. And I think he just finished uh, college and things like that. And, uh, you know, he has uh, he's working and things. And, and you know, it's... It's a tough life for an MMA fighter who's injured yes. a lot and who, you know, the, the big promotions, he, he had the run there and he'd have to have probably another big run to get back there. But what, what a legend of the game. Like, like always exciting. One of the lads that, you know, I remember one of the first events I ever went to a Cage Warriors event. I, I was like going up to get my uh, get my, my lane art or whatever it was and uh, he was getting his in front of me and he turned around and he said oh hello Sean how are you and like one of the, that that means a lot to someone when it's like their first event that they're ever covering and stuff and I, I'll always be uh, you know I'll always be thankful to him for just a few words that, uh, before then but you know his toe holds I suppose he's known very well for a guy who could like constantly improved and who the fans were always there for like even I think it was that event where he was fighting one of the Cage Warriors events he got the loudest pop of the night he was always a fan favorite as well and you know I've I've a lot of time for Paul Redmond and the scene will will definitely miss him you know uh, he might be back you never you never know when MMA retirements but as we as we speak now uh brilliant what were your thoughts on Paul Redmond I suppose he's an absolute legend of Irish MMA I mean you know doing everything that he did and achieving everything that he did and fought in almost every single major promotion that there is and at the same time he was working a full-time job for most of that time as well uh, you know on the building sites as well um you know an absolute gentleman 
And that's why there was such a huge reaction when he did announce his retirement, because, you know, he said he didn't make it. He, did, he said himself he didn't think he made a huge impact, but I think he made a much it bigger is. of an impact than he ever thought. I thought he's a legend. He'll always be remembered. You know, when he wasn't fighting at events, he was spinning the decks at, at events as well. Uh, I had the privilege to see him fight live a couple of times. And, uh, you know, I wish him all the best in his retirement. I hope, you know, he um, he still stays in the game and, in, and, and, and uses his his intelligence and his and the skills and experience that he's built up through the years and passes them along to other fighters at Team Rhino as well and, and that will help anybody in that gym tremendously too and uh, I wish him the best and, and if it is the end for him uh, good for him he's been a, he, shouldn't be, he should be very proud of himself for what he has achieved yeah, he's a very good referee as well if anyone he's refereed in local shows here and stuff so as a, as a lad who loves the, the old officiating I wouldn't mind seeing Paul Redmond doing a few more and you know maybe that's the way he gets gets back into the big shows doing a little bit more refereeing and stuff yeah, like that so. it'd be a shame to just see him fall into I the would, yeah, into, I, I, I don't think no, so I don't think he will and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what's, what's, what the future holds for him yeah 100% uh, right, we we will leave it at that for this episode. Obviously, actually, we forgot to mention as well Lee Hammond out of SBG. He's a prospect. He's one and on when he's uh, MMA debut there uh, last week as well. Definitely a guy you need to, to keep an eye out for. Uh, you know, world world class jujitsu player out of Ireland, or you know, one one of the best anyway. Has been you know one of the the mainstays of SBG for a long time and really had a great amateur career. So definitely keep an eye out for him as well. So that's the Irish MMA side of it. We talked about PFL Bellator. Um, you know, over in Poland, uh, and uh, and and a bit of uh, a bit of Asian MMA as well. So, um, worldwide around MMA. the world, around the world in thirty minutes. <laughs> around the world in thirty minutes, indeed. Uh, Ian, thank you very much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Follow him over on Twitter at IONeal MMA. My name is Sean Sheehan for Shardog.com. We'll see you all next time.